1: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday
0: edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On podcast network. Your team, every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. Bam Adebayo is bragging about his fellow Kentucky Wildcats, and we have a question about how the Heat will change their style of play next season. But we begin in Las Vegas, where Adam Silver met with NBA owners to discuss possible changes to the league's often circumvented tampering rules. According to ESPN, changes could include moving free agency to before the draft and lifting the restrictions currently in place that are often ignored, though nothing has yet been decided. David, we all know what really happens when you have 100 guys sign in the first 24 hours of free agency opening tampering's been happening all the way back to the NBA Draft Combine during the postseason and probably even before that, even if the league makes some of these changes, I don't know that there's any way to curb tampering altogether.
3: Yeah, I, I, it sounds like a lot of grousing, to be honest with you. Like, I understand that the owners kind of feel like maybe they've lost some control here, and and I, that's that's what it feels like to me, anyway. The, the, the complaints... From some agents that kind of missed out or, or some uh, what it seems like according to the story from you know ESPN, is that there were some agents, even some notable ones that said, well, hey, we played by the rules and now our clients missed out on the opportunity to cash in what's going on here. And that seems a little ludicrous. like I, I think if you're an agent of any player and of any kind of note, there's a good chance that you understand how the game works and that you're making whatever progress you can possibly make with whatever team is available and open to signing your client like in, in a world where Alfaru camino can get paid a whole hell of a lot of money by the orlando magic for absolutely no reason whatsoever i think you have to understand that you can make any client rich in today's nba and i think that deal was arranged for well in advance of the july 1st deadline i think to be honest with you, I just more and more I hear about this, it just sounds like owners feeling like, hey, we're losing control here. We don't know what's going on. They don't like the fact that the inmates are running the asylum. And I know that kind of terminology might not be popular in today's world, but I, again, that's how they, I mean, again, owners. I mean, even that term- terminology isn't popular either. It's just, what are they, the governors of teams now? I mean, they, yeah. they feel like this, this, like players are taking control and they, they should. They absolutely should. Like, I mean, we're talking about The one opportunity for them to establish where and when they want to play, and and for how long they want to play at these particular teams, and they should have that control because it is a job. You know, people. I understand that from a, a fan perspective, you want to see X player on your team for as long as you possibly can, but you know that's just not the reality. You're you're also putting pressure on said player to come up with a championship. You're putting a you know pressure on their player and their families as well to to ap- appreciate that city i mean it's not so easy i mean people of all walks of life of all different professions choose where and when they want to live and for how long and sometimes you know what they make bad decisions they change their minds and players should have that same freedom as well
2: i don't have a problem with the players quote-unquote taking control because they haven't taken control i think this is completely overblown. This is the top 1% of players. When, and when I say top 1%, I don't even mean earning power. I mean top 1% as maybe the best 12, 13 guys in the league actually have the weight to demand a trade. And other than that, like, Derek Jones Jr. doesn't get to go out and demand a trade. You know what I mean? Like, most of the players are still locked into whatever contracts that they sign. And now I don't want to do the whole woe is me, because even Derek Jones Jr. is a millionaire. But... It isn't. It isn't as if all these guys were able to get traded whenever they want. and That contracts don't matter, and that they're even breaching their contracts. This whole idea that there's a breach of contract is ludicrous because teams can trade these players whenever they want to, and both both parties have to come to an agreement to sign a contract. So if NBA teams can trade players in the middle of a contract, that's not breach of contract. So I don't have a problem with it. With that at all, I don't have a problem with players demanding to get trades. Because they're in their prime when they're doing this. When I mean, you look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who's 28 years old, coming off of a championship, he's at, the, he's at the peak of his powers. But how much longer can we really expect that to be the case, especially for Kawhi, who's dealing with a an nagging quad injury for the last two years? So he should and ought to go find the best place for him, not only to live long-term, but to go win championships... And all these guys are locked into their contracts for the first six or seven years of their career anyway. So they don't... Like, look at Devin Booker wasting away in Phoenix. It's... <laughs> it's Like, as soon as his... And I hate to break this to Suns fans. As soon as he's able to get out of there, he's out of there. Everybody knows it. And so... I don't have a problem with any of this stuff. I, I also... To go back to the original thing. I don't think that it's going to... I don't think we're gonna curb tampering as it's currently constructed. I and and there are there have been reports that, you know, maybe they were just gonna wiretap all of your office phones. Okay, well that's what burner cell phones are for. That's not
3: gonna work either. That sounds uh, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Like
2: that Yeah, I don't think the NBA is serious about it, but they basically asked like, Hey well, guys, if you want if you want to get yeah. rid of tampering, this is the only way for us to do it. And they were right. kinda of like putting that hypothetical out there, like, yeah, nobody wants that.
3: Right. I, I think um... Uh, the general counsel for the NBA something said something to the effect of, "If you want servers and phones seized, then this yeah. is the next step. This is the only way to enforce tampering, it. and this yeah. is ridiculous." And even then, Donald I Sterling's mean, rolling over in his grave. Yeah, well. If if we oh, still alive, um, if yeah. <laughs> we're looking yeah. at that, you know, the 2008 Olympics, right? I guess when when yeah. you know, Twain Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron James allegedly yeah. tampered or whatever. But again, in, in even that case, that wasn't over the phone. that wasn't. that was in person. That was three people talking and saying, you know what. This would be a good, fun place if, in fact, it did happen. And whether it did or not, who cares? Like again, you're, why should you're never going to you're
2: never going to stop players from talking. You're never going to stop players and agents from talking. Agents who have like the biggest agents, their clients are the biggest stars in basketball who work with other teams. So agents could be the conduits to all this stuff, as they always have been. Uh, general managers are going to talk to agents during the draft process. And oh, by the way, you have this free agent coming up. What's his deal? You know what's he thinking about right now? What are his top priorities when he becomes a free agent? Like all that stuff's just gonna happen. You're never, you're never gonna be able to compartmentalize these conversations into official documents or even just keep those words out of certain mouths and out of certain context it's just, it's, it's
3: it's funny it's, how you know this kind of when players seize this control then all of a sudden owners or governors start reacting to it but when they start inquiring about a player's background at the collegiate level and we're talking about 19 year old kids and using that judgment against them nobody opposes this nobody says anything about how owners can you know Intervene in your life and and make a decision that affects how much money you'll be able to make when eventually you do go into the NBA because of, I don't know, an F that you got when you were a sophomore in high school. I mean, hell, I failed a class in high school. I guess that means I'm not eligible to work for the NBA anymore.
2: Advanced chemistry. I couldn't do it.
3: Yeah. I mean, it it was not an easy class, but, you know. What are moles?
2: I don't even know what a mole is. I still
3: have no idea. Um, (laughs) So... And this all seems like it's stemming from Kawhi and Paul George. <SSSSSSSSSSSSano> the whole thing, everything, every
2: like all. Think about who is on the All NBA team. Half of the All NBA team is on a different team right now. We can even bring this back to the Heat and Jimmy Butler. I mean, you don't think that they were tampering that entire time? Of course
3: they were. Pat Riley basically said as much during his end of season press conference. Like yeah, Dwayne tw- telling him two years ago when they were in Chicago, Miami would be a good team for you. Or what are you gonna yes. do? You're gonna find Dwayne now? I mean he's retired.
2: Yeah, Dwayne's like, find me, whatever. Gabrielle Union's a breadwinner now. So <laughs> it's <laughs> I there's no way to stop any of this, and it's all because of everything that just happened. And let's not forget, and I think it's easy to forget this, because he's barely in the league anymore, and that's Isaiah Thomas. And when the Boston Celtics traded him after he put everything on the line in that um, that magical playoff run that they had, and they traded him that summer for Kyrie Irving, who ditched them after two years, and wasn't even a full two years. Right. Uh, we all said when they traded Isaiah Thomas, this is why player empowerment is a good thing. This is why we have no problem with players getting their money, picking their situations, picking their spots, demanding trades when they feel like it's applicable. We had no problem with it. We're, two, we're just a couple of years removed from the Isaiah Thomas thing, but that was the overwhelming uh, opinion when that happened. And now that everything, now it's basically shifted the other way, and everybody's changing teams whenever they want Anthony Davis, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, whatever. Now we're kind of thinking, it's a little bit of a prisoner of the moment thing happening here. Let's not sure. forget about the Isaiah Thomas thing, just because he's barely in the league. That still spoke volumes to not just fans, but the league in general. Like, that was shocking when it happened. Um, and, and so, um, let's just not forget it. Let's take a break here. Coming up, we're going to play a new buy or sell game. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code LOCKEDON. We're going to play a new buy or sell game called Buy Bam or Bye Bye Bam. We've got some quotes from Bam out of bio we'll, and we'll decide if we're buying what he's selling or if you can just get out of here.
3: You know, I just got to say, we're we're not even in August yet. I mean, I cannot believe that we're already at that point where we're coming up with games, trying to find whatever nuggets of quote unquote news we could possibly use for entertainment value. This smacks this a little bit of... Who is your favorite? What Heat player compares to what game uh, Guardians of the Galaxy character from last oh, year? That we was, did that. That might have been. A, I know that might have been a low point in Locked In Heat history. So. This
2: might be a new one, but this is a great. Bye, Bam. Bye, bye, Bam. I,
3: I, I mean, no puns. To be honest with you, come on, our, our listeners expect more than that. You know, I, I don't know. I got to be honest with you. If they expect more. Show.
2: That's that's on them. Let's get to our first quote here. Bam bio, bragged to the Athletic about how many fellow Kentucky players are in the NBA, saying during Las Vegas Summer League, quote, just look around, though. Like, who's playing right now? Pick a game, any game, and I bet you we got somebody out there. And, of course, they did. David, are you buying or selling that Kentucky connection in the NBA?
3: I mean, I have no choice. I think it's the truth, so I'm absolutely buying this. But I think, again, it's, you know, the fact that you have a a highly respected coach there who recruits players at a top tier, and I think we're starting to see players, and, and perhaps rightfully so, look at the college experience not the way it was looked at 30 40 years ago but merely as a stopping off point which is probably why it's going to change altogether so let the ncaa execs figure out a way of how to keep players uh, in, on their rosters but the reality is that if a 19 year old has the talent and ability to want to move on to the next level they should have the freedom to do so uh, but as far as kentucky's concerned they've understood the market better than anybody else well in advance of uh, say coach Krzyzewski over at duke and uh, you know they, they've encouraged players to come in Use Kentucky as a pro style system, and even even with the knowledge of a player like Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo, that they were only used to X percent of what they could actually do. Somehow, they're still being able to showcase what skills they do have, and and have that translate to the next level. So it is impressive what Kentucky has been able to do, and what we'll continue doing in the foreseeable future. I'm glad you brought up Duke because they're second in the NBA with recent draft
2: choices. Kentucky's at 38, Duke is at 24 and you what John Calipari has built at Kentucky is pretty remarkable especially when you say what if they only achieve basically x percent or show off x percent of what they could do at the nba level you almost that I think that's why they get drafted so high is because you build in this extra let's just call it twenty five percent right you at say least, at Carl least. Anthony Town right let's call it forty percent whatever you want to call it but if you're an NBA executive you're like Tyler Hero okay he did all of this at Kentucky let's add twenty five percent to that and now he's a lottery pick right right and so you almost just have this this assumption that they could do more and by the way that assumption is often correct look at Bam Adebayo look at Tyler Hero just during summer league don't want to draw too many conclusions from that. But he looks darn good. Carl anthony Towns, you go down the line, it's just all Devin, Devin Booker. Booker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All these guys, they just outperform what they even did in college. And that, if you're an NBA executive, is exactly what you're looking for. Right. While you look at Duke, it's oftentimes the opposite. Where they play their best at Duke, and they don't play as well at the collegiate level. So whatever Calipari is doing there, and he calls it La Familia. Whatever he's doing there with La Familia, it's working. Whatever yeah, he's I'm, doing is working.
3: What I'm hearing is... Draft bus Zion Williamson. (laughs) I won't go that far.
2: Uh, Bam Adebayo also talked about Tyler Hero, his newest teammate, and he said, quote, I feel like he's a fast learner. He wants to soak in information. When I was talking to him at Summer League, he seemed like he really wanted to learn, and he went out there and changed it just like that. So I feel like he'll fit in with us. Are you buying what Bam's selling? Or are you saying bye bye Bam? That Tyler Hero is going to fit in with the Heat?
3: I'm absolutely buying it. Uh, I, I think I think he recognizes his ability there, and I, I, I understand that, that. Again, what we're just talking about as far as Tyler Hero is concerned, you know that he is uh, one a fast learner. Something that we talked about with with our, our you know locked on Kentucky uh, guest a, a few weeks ago. Uh, that he was really smart and he was able to make that it changes and he was able to grow over the course of his one season there uh, I, I think coaches were pretty high on him coming out there and, and and you saw up close at summer league how he was able to respond and kind of adapt and, and and progress and and i think i think he's absolutely ready he's going to be a significant contributor i'm not sure if he's going to be pendent as a starter or not but i think he's going to be he has a good chance to be a real impact player Yeah, and he'll probably be a starter down the line, if not
2: immediately. And one of the things I was most impressed with Tyler, seeing him in Sacramento and seeing him in Las Vegas, is when you know he was asked, and you're asked the same question after every summer league game: How did you do out there? How did you feel out there? What are you trying to correct for next game? And he had a different, he had versions of the same thing, but you could tell like he really thought about that stuff. He was really thinking about. He had specific answers. When he, was, when he was asked about those things, I mean, he talked about, hey, I want to I wanna push the ball better in transition than I did last time. I want to make better, quicker decisions than I did this last game. Um, I want to get better at catch and shoot versus shooting off the dribble. And he did that as Summer League went on. And so not only did he say it, he backed it up with how he performed. He was one of the top performers in Summer League. I loved everything we saw from him. Being a fast learner is going to be extremely important, especially if he's going to have the ball in his hands at all. You know, he's 19 years old. It takes a long time to learn how to facilitate and playmake in the NBA. You either have a natural feel for it or it's or you have a steep learning curve. It seems like Tyler has a natural feel for it, and that goes back to what we were saying before. He didn't get to show that off very much at Kentucky. Maybe that that natural feel with the ball in his hands is that X percent that he has. I tweeted this out during Summer League. He reminds me a little bit of Jason Williams, besides yeah. the obvious things, where he'll just like run up the court and if he sees if he just he just picks up on guys playing off of him or giving him just maybe a half a foot too much of space, and he'll just pull up. He'll just pull up in transition just so that the defense respects him. And by the way, he's a really good shooter, so he makes the shot a bunch of times. He's a great pull-up shooter. He said he's a better pull-up shooter than he is a catch-and-shoot guy. And so he, you get the defense on their heels, and now this starts opening up the things for you. We talked about Tyler Hero's lack of athleticism. Those are the sort of things that fast learning, that feel for the game, just that basketball IQ that makes up that lack of athleticism. Because now he's creating space with the threat of the shot, much in a similar way to what Steph Curry does. I'm not, I don't want to make that one for one comparison, but it's similar. This is what people learn from Steph Curry. I, I would have no doubt that Tyler learned a little bit of that from the way Steph changed the game. And so you love to see that stuff. And so I'm absolutely buying with Bam is saying right
3: now I, I love that this segment has turned into one zion williamson is going to be a total bust and two tyler heroes the next steph curry i mean this is phenomenal i mean the fact that you've managed to create this segment so early in in the the dog days of summer here and, and managed yeah. to come up with your hottest takes ever this is really good stuff i'm just
2: getting warmed up let's take a quick break up next we've got another mailbag question that we had left over for monday's show you're listening to locked on heat
0: Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Lockdown Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Time for some mail, Steve asks... What do you guys think will be the biggest change next season, gameplay-wise? Dave, an interesting question here.
3: Yeah, you know, it's kind of a hard one to read, too, because to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure there will be a a drastic change in in the pace and style of play. Like, in fact, if anything, now that we have a Jimmy Butler, and and judging from how even on a team like Philadelphia, where there were so many other talented players there in the starting lineup— Um, And and you probably should go back even further to his tenure in Chicago to see what what this system would probably be like. Because, again, even in in Minnesota, he had to share touches with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So I'm concerned that Miami might be a little bit of a might fall into some bad habits of a little ball watching, like seeing what Jimmy does with the ball, seeing him create and then kind of playing off of that. Um, that's kind of a dangerous style to play. And I wonder if that's going to be the case. It's not to say that, that Jimmy can't make plays for others. He absolutely does. But I think his tendency to, you know, will shots in, his ability to get his shot and get to the line as often as he does is going to make him, without a doubt, the dominant scorer, the dominant shooter on this team. And so I wonder how everybody's going to learn to play off that. And, and, and I don't know that... Jimmy's not a fast-paced player either, so he's not going to exactly push the pace at a high level. Um, I mean, in transition, a, an area of weakness for Miami last year, without a doubt, that'll be a, a factor. But if you replace, let's say, whatever the starting lineup is, you're basically replacing Josh Richardson's factor with with Jimmy, uh, you know, buckets. Well, how does that change the style of play there? Like, well, how is Jimmy going to create? Things differently, or, or pick up the pace in a way that, that Josh never could. It's not to say that Josh played at an extremely slow pace. In fact, I think he tried to push it as often as possible. But I, I wonder if, you know, now with Jimmy's addition there, how Miami's style of play is going to be any different. And I don't see it, to be honest with you. I
2: don't, I agree. I don't think it's going to change at all. I think you, you talk about replacing Josh Richardson with Jimmy Butler. You might even go to a slower pace. Like you said, you might take a yeah. step slower. Uh, the ball watching thing, the isolation game that Jimmy Butler. That's replacing what Dwayne Wade did last year. Basically, they ball-watched Dwayne Wade all the time. And by the way, it worked a bunch of times, so I don't have a problem with it. Uh, they're not going to change at all. At all. I just I think you're just going to see a little bit more isolation with Jimmy Butler, which this team needed last year. They needed a player who could just go out there and play 33 minutes a game and do what Jimmy Butler can do. And so it's just going to be more of that. And that's why I think Jimmy Butler wanted to go to Miami versus the Clippers or staying in Philadelphia because it was he saw... You know, he's the circle peg in the circle hole. He's like, this is a perfect fit. I'm I, i I'm just going to go be the next Dwayne Wade here. And that's, at least stylistically, exactly what's going to happen. I don't think the change of the play changes whatsoever. I, I don't think it changes at all. And I think that's exactly why Jimmy Butler decided to go to
3: Miami. Now, I, I will say, I, I think if there's an area where it could be tweaked a little bit and improved, it's probably going to be the fact that we even saw this with Dwayne's addition when he came from Cleveland a couple of years ago where he was after that midseason trade where all of a sudden we saw the Heat kind of taking a, a step forward as far as intercepting passes and passing lanes and things of that sort, trying to be more of a ball hawking defense and forcing turnovers with a guy like Jimmy that's such a good individual defender and able to kind of you know figure out Uh, you know where passes are going and interceptos and kind of you know sag off of his player and and force a turnover that way i think you're going to see an increased number of turnovers that which will lead to more transition buckets easier transition buckets also so i think i mean look we're we're talking about what the start starting lineup could be and obviously that's still up in the air but justice is probably going to be a part of that dion's probably going to be a part of it you know james johnson and or bam are going to be part of it so you have enough guys there that know how to force turnovers that can get blocks and or steals and know how to intercept passes, and that could lead to transition buckets. So if there's going to be any kind of style change, it's probably going to be more transition buckets.
2: Again, a thing that they needed, Jimmy Butler averaged about two steals a game last year. Josh Richardson had the most last year at 1.1, tied with Justice Winslow. So Jimmy Butler's walking in doubling the last guy right, with steals per game, and that could be even more if they ask him to do that. Um, so I think he's going to He's just He's checking all the boxes It's just It's going to be An improved version Of what we saw last year Which is exactly What we said That he needed All of last year So right. Basically underscoring The fact that Jim Butler was a good addition That's it for today Connect with us on Twitter Using the hashtag AskelloHeat Or email us At LockedOnHeat At gmail.com We'll be back later In the week Thanks for listening and thanks for joining me David
3: Bye bye Wes <sighs>